And here we go! Yeah. Ooh. Ooh. Hey guys, welcome to episode 130 of CMD Towers Brews and yeah, Builds. I'm Mr. Combat number 5, and my fellow host's new nickname in the Carolinas has moved from the parking lot bandit to fleshbag marauder, Big Tuck. Okay, hold on. <clears throat> Sorry, I was trying to pour this. <clears throat> Welcome, adventurers and adventuresses, to the most darkest, deepest episode that we have ever done. You stand in front of a maw, gaping as though as wide as it is dark, looking into the abyss as it looks right back to you. In the distance, you can hear the jingling of what could be coins or perhaps some sort of metallic bones as you look into your bags and see your rope. Your pittance, your 10-foot pole, the basic accoutrement that comes in any adventurer pack for you level one peons. And with that, I ask, are you ready, Mr. Combo, to go into the dungeon? That was great. That was a good bit. I think I think that deserved a good applause. Thank you. Uh, I, way to go, Big Tuck. We'll get into it. We'll get into my per- personal feelings around this. Uh, but first off, here we are on camera. And second, uh, Mr. Combo, I want to give you a hearty slancha. Slan- uh, okay. What? It's the day after St. Patty's Day. Cheers. And in Gaelic. Oh, okay. I didn't speak Gaelic, so I, okay. I thought you uh, might have had a stroke for a second. <laughs> one, of my, one of my many um, stroke issues. So get this. Secondly, yes, I was very sad. This is the first St. Patrick's Day. I literally didn't do anything. So I, uh, I was just talking to my coworkers. And uh, my old friend, a close associate of yours as well, Jeff McNeely, who you've met on many occasions. Uh, <laughs> correct? You can confirm that, right? I think I've met him once. Okay. Yep. Tracks. Um, he texted me yesterday around 2 o'clock in the afternoon. This was a week and three days ago, actual St. Patty's Day. And he was asking if I was enjoying the holiday yet. And I said, I'm not, because I had rugby practice that night. And he literally responded with, what have you done with Sam? Or Big Tuck in this case. <laughs> uh, we can re- edit that out, whatever. It doesn't matter. So to your point, I was telling my other coworkers who are actual functional adults as to fake adults, aka 13-year-olds with salaries that I am, they had, uh, I told them that this was the first day after St. Patty's Day. I haven't been hungover in probably my entire professional career. Well, um, I'm usually never hungover on uh, the day after St. Patrick's Day. Um, I actually, I'm not someone who gets hungover like very well, like usually never happens. What? So yeah, I really don't. I mean, I might be like a little tired or something, but that's about it. You also, you also are lucky. Cause when you go out hard, you sleep for like forever, right? Like no, no. Usually if I go out hard, I'm up by 7. AM that morning because my body just like forces me to forces you up. up. Sure. Yeah. Now, usually on those days, I will take like a nap for a couple hours in the middle of the day, mm. but we'll see uh, a week ago, a day or oh, exactly right. a week ago, uh, we're actually doing my fiance's birthday party at no other pub <laughs> and get this. Tuck. That place. No, no. Get this. Fifty dollars a person. Open bar for three hours. That's pretty good, especially for power and light. That is pretty damn good. Have you been, and, there? Have you been there since it reopened? Like or since, uh, since no. lockdown went off, if you will? No, no, I haven't. Um, and with that 50 bucks, we got the golf simulator for two hours, the driving range. So that's going to be fun. Nice. Uh, what, so what are you starting the podcast out with today? Oh man, I am still on the Moscow mule from, uh, oh, what is that? Is that from Tomstown? No, it's not. I'm actually 
trying to see the company name <laughs> on here. Uh, Mule 20. Okay. And, and okay. Yeah, easy enough. So I'm actually having, I went to my favorite bottle shop, uh, Salud here, and they have this Guinness, but it's no normal Guinness. It's a chocolate mint stout Guinness aged in Kentucky bourbon barrels. Uh, and it hits in right at 10.8%. So <laughs> down the hatches. Now, did you know, while we're talking about our little Irish tirade here, I'm not Irish, I'm Swedish. Uh, did you know that Guinness is actually, normal Guinness is one of the healthier beers that you can drink? Well, because also you drink it warm, right? Well, you do. Yeah, normally they Or like room it. temperature or something. Yep. But it's got, it's only 4.2 or 4.5% alcohol for a stout. And then second, the way that they brew it, it has like the it has the same amount of calories as a Miller Lite plus twenty. So if you get a glass of Guinness and a glass of Miller Lite, it's about twenty or thirty calories heavier for you. So, wow, that's not too terrible. That way, when I drink my Guinness after the break, I won't feel bad about it because I didn't really have a whole <laughs> lot of lunch. Well, there you go. Um, well, about the only thing really going on with right. me. Uh, we were talking about it before the cast, guys. I'm sorry. Are you doing this? Are I'm you up. are you are you airing this laundry? Oh this yeah, great? I'm airing. You're doing this? Oh my god! All right, before so, we, before uh, we go into this, I have we talked about this briefly off air before we started. I do not approve of this. I do not approve. I do not like, and I'm not excited about what Mr. Kama's about to say. But he's living his own life. He's living his own dreams. He's living his best life. And who am I to say to, to poo poo on that? So, exactly. So the so, floor is yours. Uh, everyone knows that I uh, am a big pop culture nerd fan. We talk about it, you know, occasionally in the, the non uh, MTG discord in our channel. Um, and star Wars is one of my bigger echelon ones. And everyone knows I got to go to Disney and got to go to the galaxy's edge, which is the star Wars park sure. at Hollywood studios. Absolutely loved it. Built a lightsaber, blah, blah, blah. Well, of course, you know, I get back and it's like, gosh, there was some stuff that I wanted to get. And I, you know, you got that, you Disney. Got that. well, so Disney before the pandemic, anything you bought, they would hold for you at the front of the park and you could pick it up at the end of the day. Post pandemic, you have to carry all your crap around. Oh, with you. so you could. And that's pre, awful. Pre, you could be like, I'm going to buy a hundred pounds worth of this shit that I'm just going to, that I'm going to yeah. take out to my car rental or yes. otherwise. Um, Go ahead. I, so I had another question. With, I forgot what it was. So, you know, we ended up buying our stuff and we had to trek out to the parking lot to do it. And that was literally just my one lightsaber and my one cloak. It was that bulky. Yeah. So it was like, hey, you know, no big deal. I could probably buy stuff on eBay, secondary market. Probably won't cost too much more. Well, everyone and their mother charges like two to 400% markup <laughs> on a lot of the stuff that they buy there because you can only get it at, at the, park, the, right, at, the yeah. at the park. Um, so there's like an exclusivity, almost like if we had a Grand Prix exclusive playmat for Vegas or something to that extent. If we have actual branded merchandise that you can only get at cmdtower.com slash merch. Oh, that's very true. Uh, so, you know, that was my thought. I come back. Everyone's charging a whole bunch more. And as, even though I have a passion, I'm not going to overpay for anything. Uh, but then I discovered, everyone, uh, the Star Wars Galaxy Edge Discord. They have a trading post in there filled with smugglers. Yes, people that either full-time or just whenever they go will actually go pick up stuff for you. And you just pay them a very nominal fee, like 10 bucks, 20 bucks. They actually have a rule in the Discord. If anyone tries to charge more than 20% above list to like reach out to the mods, because that's not allowed. 
So it's now opened up to where I'm actually getting the Star Wars uh, uh, Galactic Star Cruiser, which is the hotel you have to pay five grand for two nights to stay. I'm actually getting one of the exclusive uh, tunics for my Grey Jedi cosplay outfit. It's only 70 bucks, but people are selling them for $200, $300. The guy's only charging me 120 and that includes shipping, tax, all the stuff. And it's like, oh, that is perfect. So um, I told Tuck before the cast, I mean, this year, from a magic perspective, I'm not spending a single real dollar of money. Right. Yeah, it yeah. has to be through trade. Store credit. Sold. Yeah. Yep. And so instead, I, you're just spending all that money on Star Wars paraphernalia. Well, now it's just maybe I'll be making less magic decks and using that money to buy more stuff because there's like multiple uh, lightsabers that I want to get. The Cal Kestis from Fallen Order. They're coming out with that on May the 4th. Be with you. I want that one. Uh, I've heard Mara Jade's lightsabers coming out. That's Luke Skywalker's wife yes. in the books. I would love that because I love that story arc. Uh, hell, if they came out with, uh, I can't remember the Wookiee's name, but it's Chewbacca's niece or nephew from Who the all, Young Jedi series. Who's also Force sensitive, yeah. Yeah, if they came out with that lightsaber, I would totally buy it. So I've just found another hobby. Um, my fiance is going to be pissed. And uh, I might have to start donating plasma. So I have I have two notes on this. I have I have a so normally in the corporate speak as aka last episode, aka my least favorite episode I've ever recorded. I loved it because it's just the way it, this. That's your. That's, that's just how I talk. Is, yeah, exactly. Um, so normally we have a compliment sandwich, and I have a compliment open face sandwich. So <laughs> I will I, I will admit I think that what you did with the lightsabers in your office where you you can flip on the screen and they're behind you I like that right I like okay. that a lot okay um our our close friend the Godfather is much more opinionated on everything and he's much more negative about yes. like hobbies and money. everything he's much more like <laughs> there there's a certain late stage capitalism that we all agree to where it's like, I'm going to spend money and it's going to make me happy. Right. Could be sure, anything. Sure. Drugs, anything else. I will say this. I, I, I respect you. And I, I like most of your hobbies. This new smuggler discord thing is in my opinion, a personal low for, for, for <laughs> what I like in your hobbies. I did it. I think it's, I listen, it makes sense. Like, you know, um, Pennywise pound foolish, right? Like that makes sense, right? Sure. You're, you're saving your money there. You're getting the stuff that you want. I just refuse. I just refuse to fully gleefully help you with this project or support it. Well, you know what? You'll just be jealous yeah. of all my cool lightsabers. And Tuck, really, in the last, <laughs> we got to get on with this episode. I know. The last thing I think my final goal. So you know how I have the lightsabers in the office and I have the dark saber, my personal one yes, crossing. Yeah. I can very easily see in the next 18 months me changing that to where they're all just vertical, but there's like nine of it's them. It's like, or like, the, it looks like the Game of Thrones chair, right? Like it's all spread <gasps> out. Oh, that would be cool, right? Oh, if it's well, like, if it, there like, we go. If it's like a fan out from the center. I like, see, look, I don't like the means of receiving these items, but I do like this output that you have here. <laughs> Well, guys, uh, thanks for tuning in. And if you would like to be able to support us and uh, even, you know, help me get through my dark times of many expensive hobbies, you should head over to our Patreon, patreon.com slash CMD Tower, uh, with a lot of different tiers, a lot of different value. It's one of the best out there. Literally, dollar, five, fifteen, or twenty-five bucks a month. 
will get you just a variety of different tiers and goals and stuff. The most exciting point, and that episode should be coming out here in the next week or two, uh, is the collective diagnosis. So literally at our lowest entry level possible, we select random patrons, 10 of you, every three months, and we're going to give you a topic. Uh, Could be cards that exile. And we just, hey, what do you want to communicate to the community? Maybe stuff that they didn't know about cards that exile. So not like swords to plowshares or path to exile, but something other weirder. And then me and Tuck will actually read your responses on air. And you can send it in in text or even record your own audio like our very own Chuck the Slice. So lots of great value. Definitely tune in. And I believe once we get our Twitch streaming kind of figured out, we're going to start having patrons uh, as part of the rewards be able to come on and stream with us as well. So uh, definitely go check it out. Uh, would we'd really appreciate it. And then, of course, part of that, if you're already a part of the community and you're trying to figure out how can I grow, how can I help CMD Tower? Well, we have a great referral program. Make it worth your while. So if you refer people to join, just let us know. Hey, I just had this person join. Um, they were a friend, LGS member, whatever. Depending on their tier, we'll send you something for free. You know, uh, if it's an upper echelon tier, maybe it's a play mad. If it's one of the lower tiers, maybe we sign a card for you or send you a token or something. We, we always want to make sure we're taking care of our community members as you guys take care of us. Now, if you can't afford to do any of that kind of stuff, uh, you could always hang out at our store that Tuck plugged earlier, cmdtower.com slash merch. Uh, that's where you will find our Jund sweater. Uh, very, very cool. You're going to find our tokens, our coins, our playmats. We do have a very sweet foil playmat that we just started a couple months ago. Uh, definitely go check that out. And we're still running a sale for every sweater you buy. You just get a free pack of cards. We got the code updated. It's all in there. Uh, we definitely want to get redacted bits out of our basement. And I will say that uh, I love all of our merchandise. Some people think that the Big Tuck Monarch token is a little too sexual. I disagree. But of my playgroup in here, there has been a huge request for the foil playmats. The people oh. out here love them. And guys they, guys and gals, they look great. They look great on stream. They look great in person. They're really, really beautiful, unique items. And, and I think those are the real hot ones that we got going right now. Yeah, absolutely. Now, of course, um, we want to talk about one of our newer sponsorships, abyssproxyshop.com with code CMDTOWER. Uh, that'll get you 10% off. This is a playtest uh, card printer that I've used for years and years and years, even before I was a content creator. Uh, they have an amazing store. Uh, Tuck, uh, were you able to get your order big enough to where you got the free Aberduels? I haven't. I, I I didn't pull the trigger because I sp I realized I've been spending too much money on magic and haven't been playing enough. So I had to wait on it. Um, and I also have a stack about this high of rares and mythics that I need to organize and slot into decks. So I I I did not quite yet, but it still have the cart. And um, I will say this: there have been a few times while I'm building new decks or thinking about upgrades, and I think about man, I already own that card, and I've got I've gone and looked for it. He has almost every single one of them. All the big haymaker cards. The artwork is beautiful. It, it really, he really does a phenomenal job out. There. And the one tip and trick I want to give everyone, because I know magic is a great outlet to show your personality. If you type in custom card in his search engine, it'll bring up the listing to where he actually has a link for all the community designs that people have asked him to do. He will print you off what other people have asked. So if you're interested in my Game of Thrones deck. 
You can literally go to the custom card, click his little hyperlink, and go search and see the Sandor Clegane uh, transformation card. You can go get the Tyrion Lannister card, or even like my Najila Mystical Archive deck. So that's one thing that I've really enjoyed, and his website's fully up and running. The DDoS attack is no more. Uh, so yeah, definitely go support them because that does support us as well. And of course, just share the content you're already listening and watching because every little bit of interaction from you does help. So Bruise Builds is our deck tech series since we conquered the path to 32, the 12 themes of EDH decks. We have moved on to what would be called a mm, classic brew <laughs> uh, from day one Bruise and Builds with a traditional episode. We described the brewing of decks similar to how beer is brewed. So we broke it down to four different categories. The first one's ramp instead of your board states. We actually call that grains. And real quick, uh, a lot of people have been asking about this. Big Tuck Brewing is coming back in April. I am actually going to start brewing again in April, which I'm very excited about. So grains are the foundation of every beer. They include both base malts and specialty malts, usually in about a 60 to 40 ratio. This helps with the color, the taste, and most importantly, the alcohol content of the beer. Decks always need ways to grow, stabilize, and ramp your bigger threats. And just like a grain profile, they're usually a mix of staples and specialty. Then we have, how does your board kind of interact with the table and what's going on? We actually call that hops. And, and hops give the beer its patented bitterness and herbal floral flavors. They grow in a variety of strands, helps they distinguish subcategories like IPAs. Our help choices help clear and interact with the board so your deck can do what it wants. This deck may be limited, but how does it actually close out? But it has tons of what it wants to accomplish. We call that yeast. And yeasts are living microorganisms that eat the sugar from the grain and poop out alcohol and CO2. It adds the alcohol content and the carbonation. Without yeast to be drinking flat sugar water, and without yeast cards, your deck wouldn't meet the goal of actually winning the game. And very much like any theme deck, uh, we have shenanigans. These can be pet card synergies we don't have a ton of uh, that are just kind of fun. We call that spice. And every beer has them, but spices and other additives help separate a normal stock beer from especially one. It could be the double dry hops that turn this dissolver into a double dry hopped IPA or the addition of chocolate and mint that turns this into a chocolate and mint stout. Not every deck has something that makes it pop, but if it does, this is generally where we talk about it. And then to seal the episode, we do have a bottle capping. Um, this is going to consist of Big Tux and I's cuts to the deck and then three cards that we're going to recommend each that are going to be under $5, under 50 bucks, and a no budget recommendation. We just can't talk about mana only lands. Which, thank God, because I am talking about a land. Uh, so I, almost, I, almost, I almost did that. I almost did that, too. <laughs> so without further ado, guys, let's get brewing. Uh, today, oh gosh, here we go. Uh, Zephyrus, welcome to the dungeon. Get there, day by day. That's all I got. Wow, that's pretty good. Uh, I, I will be trying to sneak in as much uh, D&D voices as I remember. And for those who know, I have a three-voice vocabulary. <laughs> so, Tuck, why don't you read who Sephiris is and does, and then I'll kind of talk about why I built this deck. Absolutely. So, Sephiris of the Hidden Waves ways, is a 2-3 legendary creature, human wizard, redacted bit for Esper, coming out at white, blue, and black. Whenever one or more creature cards are put into your graveyard from anywhere, venture into the dungeon. This ability only triggers once each turn. But then he also has the granted ability because Adventures from the Gotten Realms created these by a completely abstractness and it causes much confusion against other people because they still yes, never ever again. Create Undead. Whenever you complete a dungeon, return target creature card from your graveyard to the battle. So, uh, full disclaimer, uh, this is embarrassing. I literally forget about Create Undead every time I play the deck. Wait, really? 
<laughs> Wait, oh, what? Oh, yeah. Thousand percent. Always forget. Always forget. So, uh, this card, this deck, uh, Dungeons, uh, seemed stupid. Very stupid. But it did kind of bring this, like, board game aspect to the sure. game. Uh, so, I do appreciate that, you know, hey, Dungeons & Dragons, kind of board game-esque. Uh, or lifestyle, I guess, as some probably hardcore people call it. And you've never, and you, so, you yourself, have, you've never played yourself, correct? I played once in high school. Literally, I, oh, I think one I was there. Session. I think it was in Raphael's yes. house, right? Yes. Yes. Correct. Yeah, we got to play once, and then we literally never played again because I think you started doing Vampires Masquerade. Oh, we don't have we don't have enough time to get into that, but yes, that's likely what happened. <laughs> so, um, you guys might remember my Aloro deck that we did on here. And Big Tuck had kind of given me a challenge of like, you really, you always talk about how you don't like to play the deck. The deck is super boring. Like, why don't you see if the pieces you could build or take out of there could go into other decks and build a new Esper deck? And I was like, hey, that's a great idea. But then I actually went through the deck and I'm like, everything in here is life gain. And like the handful of like Esper staples would maybe cost me $30 to buy in a new right. deck. So like, it's not going to really save me anything to dismantle it. But then this came along and I was like, well... Dungeons are weird. A lot of the cards should be very cheap because it's a weird mechanic. Like, I'm sure the, the couple top-end cards will be expensive, but the majority of it should be under a dollar to be able to right. get the cards. And with Forgetting of a, a Forgotten Realm, you guys can see on my tapped out, they had tons of alternate art printing. Sure. That I was also able to pick up for, like, pennies on the dollar. So it, it kind of helped me in a couple of those things. And then genuinely... I think this is a fun deck because it's almost it's almost like a competitive deck from the mindset of I'm literally just focusing on my board and eventually I'll, I'm trying to get to that winning state, which we'll get right. to eventually. But this deck is not going to win off combat damage ever. Um, this deck is not going to win off of the 99 ever. It's going to be interactions from the dungeons. So Tuck... I think you've played against this deck once. I, I, that's actually literally what I was going to ask you is I, I don't, I'm, I don't think I've ever seen you play this. Uh, I have seen someone else play this. I think just the straight pre-con and he did a lot of work, maybe a few upgrades there. Um, I, I feel like this is a this is a deck that doesn't get a lot of reps in with you, right? It it did when I first built it, like any deck. Yeah. Um, I want to say I played it like four or five times. Um, and I probably won two of the four games, two of the five games. So, it, you know, it's right there. I think Mr. Bevers always talks about if you're winning 25% of the time, that's about that's right. Good, yeah. Because four part. So it's it's right there about average or a little above average. Yeah. Um, I quit playing it, though. Because, A, I actually have a very, very cool deck box for it, but it doesn't actually fit in my bag because uh, oh. it's an actual treasure chest that you oh, open. Oh, yes, I have. That is a cool one. Yeah. Um, and so it's it's for me, it's always like, oh, I got to take it out of there, put find like an empty deck box and then put it in my deal. Right. And then also, and I was talking with uh, Marketing Ross about this at lunch Tuesday. I wanted to play this on stream for Mr. B. But it was like, God, I feel like dungeons have just been played into the ground from content creators. And so I kind of quit playing it because I was like, man, I'm not, I, I like playing stuff that I enjoy, but I also want to play stuff that other people are find interesting. Right. Or, oh, I haven't seen that. And it's like, I built this, what I thought was going to be a niche deck. And it's kind of more just become no one in our play group has it, but just the world. Yeah. Everyone seems to have some sort of venture into the dungeon deck. I, I can, I can see that. And as we all know, uh, I love the sort of 
extra mechanics, right? But honestly, I would I would say dungeons fall monarch number one with the bullet, best mechanic and commander, S tier, SS tier. Try to put it in every deck I possibly can. I think day and night is edges out dungeons slightly because it's way more annoying and people actually have to pay attention to it. But I do like the idea of dungeons. I think the issue that I see is we don't need to go through the dungeons because that's like add another 10 minutes on this episode or whatever. But a lot of them are just kind of like, they're all like, they're all good, right? They're all fun abilities. I like how you kind of get to choose your own thing, but none of them are like completely backbreaking until you get closer to the edge of, of completing dungeons, right? Which granted yep. this, this deck wants to do. Um, so I think that's kind of maybe the, the, the misstep on here. I think that there's, we'll get into some guards in here that I think can introduce and repeatedly, play into this and even in a non-dungeon deck but i think if you're going all in dungeons you you kind of there's not a lot a whole ton of other options that you have right like you're just like yeah okay, i've got to go through these over and over and over again yeah i'm actually kind of hoping that the uh brothers war coming out later because i think that's supposed to be dungeons and dragons uh, it's I, as well i believe the the uh commander legends this year is for oh, commander Boulder, legends is, is boulder's gate which there is all dungeon and dragon stuff so so I'm I'm actually hoping that that will actually give me more yeah. to actually diversify the deck, and maybe then I can actually start playing it more because it does feel like oh my dungeon deck's a little bit different than yours because of these changes. But right yeah. now, dungeons and dungeons. I will say this before uh, we get into deck stats. Venture into the dungeon is a mechanic like day and night that I think there are particular cards like for day and night that one mana rock yes. that you could just put in decks and Agreed. you're just going to get the inherent value of that. Like I would not be against something that's just like, yeah, every time your creature deals combat damage, you venture into the dungeon. Like, well, I'm in a go wide deck. Why wouldn't I want that? Like Completely I can venture agree. into a dungeon 19 times in one turn. Completely agree on that, and I think we'll we'll be spoiler alert. We'll we be talking about those in detail this very episode. Yes. Now, uh, I did not, even though this is built in the realm of us looking at our mana bases. I didn't really alter this one. It's about it's, it's okay. right. It's it's like a little bit off on each. Yeah, but not out of the ordinary, right? Like it's just like you no. could cut you could cut a few basics here, add another couple dual lands or yep. whatever you want there, and you'd be about even. Uh, CMC three two three, very about, good, about very fair. good. Yeah, uh, sixty nine <laughs> competitive percentage. <laughs> but here's the thing that I think your deck is a little different. The price tag is pretty much up there. We're looking between twelve hundred and twenty two hundred dollars to buy this one. But I feel like you, this is one you own in paper, right? Like you don't have any pro. Yeah. Do you have any play tests, or these are just cards that you had lying around and putting in? You know, I because I built this deck almost a year ago, so I don't know. Um, I want to say the underground sea is legit. The tundra might be a play test. Okay. Everything else, though, is a legitimate card. Yeah, I think just the Tundra might be a playtest. So if you if you subtract out of that, that's $600 out, right? Half the price for two cards. So I think there is builds of this that you can buy the pre-con for 40 or 50 bucks, put another 20 or 30 bucks in, and you're effectively on the same route. Or you can go build it from scratch, don't do any of the Aber duels, do all the alternate art cards, because they are still only two cents yeah, for some right. of those things. All right, guys, let's dive into this deck. Let's start, start brewing with the ramp and grain section. The first card I want to talk about, Tuck, it's an amazing card, but he's just a little guy and he's he could die, but he's he's very brave and he likes to go on adventures. 
Would you, and, would you say uh, he's selfless in some regards? I would not. Oh, okay. I don't think I have. Oh, yeah, no, definitely not that. Uh, we're talking about Triumphant Adventurer. Oh, yeah. So this card for Orzov, white, black, creature, human, knight. It's a 1-1. One, one. It has death touch. As long as it's your turn, it has first strike. Whenever it attacks, venture into the dungeon. This is the kind of card that I was talking about that you could very easily put this in like an aristocrat's deck. Right. And it's like, yeah, if I venture into the dungeon a few times, cool. But it's a 1-1 with death touch and it does what my deck wants to do. Um, in this particular deck, he is massive for the early game start. I get him down turn two, turn three, I'm swinging. No one is blocking with no. their early creatures and it's one damage. So I'm going to immediately be able to start, you know, the Lost Mine of Thandelver, which is actually the only dungeon I ever venture into. That's what you um, and I immediately get to scry one on turn three. And then turn two, I'm making a treasure token. And then it just cascades and cascades. This card's amazing. I really, I really do like it. I think the combination of Death Touch and First Strike is is completely bonkers for an attacker, right? Like, so good. What's that? It's like that, um, that like one shot kill guy in th- in um, oh yeah, Master of Cruelties. I think yeah. Um, yes. this card's really good. And did you know that? Do you know the history behind Lost Mine of Fandel? That actually is the precon dungeon in uh, the starter kit for Fifth Edition Dungeons and Dragons. Oh, look at that. There you go. Look at that. I like it. I think, yeah, this is one of those cards you kind of have to have in here. And I think it's a card that you can you can get in and get those dungeon things going in a lot of Orzhov decks, too. So I'm, I'm here for it. All right, Tuck, what is your first green card? I can't believe you're not talking about him. The Selfless Boy? We're not getting there? Our Dragon Knight? No? Uh, well, it might be a three, two, one. <laughs> Nadar's Nadar Selfless Paladin! Woo! Uh, two colorless, two colorless white legendary creature, dragon knight, rare. Right. I'll ah. take it. So uh, a three three with vigilance. Uh, whenever he enters the battlefield or attacks, you venture into the dungeon, and then other creatures you control get plus one plus one as long as you've completed a dungeon. Very good, very strong, very good. Where they screwed up though is that I feel like dungeon the Dungeons and Dragons set played a lot into a little bit of the party mechanics. And ah. knight is not one of the parties. Like, just make him a warrior, like, or whatever else, yeah. whatever is in the party. Because I was gonna do some party submissions into it, but I went through the list and there's like none of them. So, um, Nadar yep. is really strong. I, I think the, I think the his like ultimate ability, if you look at him as a planeswalker, is not as strong as his enter the battlefield and his attacks. But you're gonna mm-hmm. be able to suit him up. There's other cards in here that maybe he, you'll be able to venture twice or more so in that in a turn. And Nadar has seen play, I think, in like some modern builds and some other ones around that. Really oh, str- I didn't know that. Really strong utility card, especially for 80 cents or whatever. This for the alternate art foil, right? Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> good, good and white weenies, just good kind of all around. Yeah. And here's the thing that I really like it's on attack, venturing in the dungeon. So you have to resolve that first. Mm-hmm. And he has vigilance. So you can actually be like, okay, well, you have a 3 3. I'm about to complete the dungeon. I'll go ahead and swing. Oh, I just ventured. He's now a, a uh, well, he wouldn't be, but my other creatures will get that plus one, plus one right. buff in the middle of attack. Um, so I really like that. And once again, if you're in a blink deck, put Nadar oh, in there. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Every turn, I'm just going into the dungeon for playing my deck. For doing okay. nothing. Yeah. Com- yeah. Completely agree. And it, you do have some blink stuff in here, which I think it plays really well to the theme of the deck as well. Which that'll be my last and final grain card. He's the king. He's eternal. Oh, <laughs> he's Brago, King Eternal. Uh, two colorless, you, white, you blue. Son of a bitch. 
uh, legendary creature, spirit noble. Uh, the I don't know if it's a mythic normally, but at least a copy I have is a mythic. Uh, it's a two four for seventy cents. Um, it has flying, and whenever Brago deals combat damage to a player, exile any number of target non-land permanents you control, then return those cards to the battlefield under their owner's control. With the with Brago and like let's just say four other creatures from the deck, one hit with Brago, I could complete an entire dungeon. Right. Because I have so many of these guys or enter the battlefield, venture into the dungeon. So many of them. And you have to have Brago, in my opinion. If your whole goal is to just turn through dungeons, he makes the most sense. I, I agree 100%. And I think people will perceive Brago as a bigger threat than he actually is. Because if you're like me or a lot of people, you know someone that's had a Brago deck and it's been a complete nightmare. Right. So yep. he's going to eat up removal. He's going to, if he does connect, he's still not going to potentially win the game, but he's going to have so much value and just skyrocket you through. But before we go, you do have a little bit more homework to do here. No, ah, I thought I missed it. And that's because our pal Teferi, Samuel L. Jackson, has a little bit to say about this. Oh, oh, that's perfect. We were just talking about Star Wars. I'll <laughs> channel my uh, inner mace window. Yes. Uh, also, for all you nerds out there, Samuel L. Jackson has approached Star Wars. You guys need to bring Mace Windu back. No If we way. get a Mace Windu miniseries like the Obi-Wan, I'll literally crap myself. He's like 70. Who cares? That's even better. He is 73. <laughs> hey, he's still Fury. Oh, that's true. All right. Okay. For some reason, I had a, a Mr. T voice in my head. I got to get that out. Yep. My rule persists beyond death itself, motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> Love it. So, uh, yeah, cards, cards, great. Um, Tuck, continue. What are your actual last two great cards? So go we'll, go through these, we'll go through these pretty quick. Uh, you mentioned the Celestius earlier, and I think that card is phenomenal, right? You you That's pointed so you pointed that out ahead of time. I think it's better than Commander Sphere, and I'm slowly trying to replace that across the board. Um, wow. Mostly because day and night's annoying, and that's how I like to play. But in similar <laughs> scope, Dungeon Map adds a lot of the similar value. Three colorless mm. for an artifact that's an uncommon in foil for three cents, so pretty easy to replace. You can tap it for a colorless, and then for three colorless and tap it, you can venture into the dungeon. And you can activate this only as a sorcery. I do have a little bit of homework here myself. Uh, read by As read by Ailey, the Southern Princess, that we all know her to be. <clears throat> now wait here, sugar. Is that a secret door? I can't tell for sure. There's some iced tea in the way. <laughs> so uh, this <laughs> boom. Thank you. Just boom. It's just <laughs> only women voice I can do. Uh, so we'll unpack that later. Today. But this is we talked earlier about cards that you that just venture in for free. If you have three mana, this this enter battlefield untapped adds a mana. And also let you just do something if you have nothing else to do, right? The only time someone's going to blow this up, if it's a Vandal Blast sort of effect, it's just going to sit around and eventually you can keep getting that value and keep having your fun side game, having this in the deck. Now, here's the big drawback of this card. You could only do sorcery it sorcery. speed. Yeah. So that's where I would be hesitant to put it in the same space as the Celeste. Oh, um, that's a great point. Rock. Yeah. Uh, just because you can't even, because ideally when I first saw this card, I was like, oh, great. If I have nothing to do at the end of your turn, I'll go ahead and venture and then right. it untaps, but you can't. So I've actually tried to take a little bit of my Brutoclad mindset when I play this deck. Uh, hey, I'm playing what I play. Move on. I usually don't have much to do on your turns, even though I do have some instants and some shenanigans I can do. 
I think this card also helps me with that illusion of slow play. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Um, this is definitely a have fun on your turn. I'm just going to do things on mine. Uh, the yep. next the next card I want to talk about is one that's kind of a, a kind of a a, um, a sneaker in here. I think this card is really good and probably doesn't see the kind of play that we it should. So obsessive stitcher. Colorless and Demir, that's a blue and a black for an O3 creature, human, wizard, redacted bit. Two great abilities. Number one, draw a card and then discard a card. And then for two colorless, a black and a blue, you can tap, sack her, and then return target creature card from your graveyard to the battlefield. There is a little bit of text that I need to get into here. We have the old-timey gangster, another slam dunk. Now listen here, Sonny Boy. No one is dedicated to perfection as a stitcher working on their latest masterpiece. Now where's my 500 cases of rum, you hear? Now here's the funny thing. I feel like you could almost take out as a stitcher working on her latest masterpiece and magic of the gathering player working on their latest masterpiece. <laughs> exactly. Right. And, uh, I was, she's a little bit, she seems like she's a little older. Um, I was joking with one of my coworkers about when we retire, one of our favorite bits is at nursing homes. We're not going to be doing Jenga. We're all just gonna be playing magic, the gathering. <laughs> so I think this card's really good because the, there is a sub theme of this that Sephiroth plays into of, bouncing stuff to the graveyard, returning to the battlefield, that sort of loop. And as you made mention, it's so much work for him to get there. But once you get there with him, it's really strong. You're still going to be pitching creatures to the graveyard, your big heavy hitters, your big heavy swingers. So if you do this early, this still gives you an out to get those big bad boys out into the game and making a lot of damage, making a lot of choices for your opponents to make on turn three or four. The cool tech with her, though, is the Sephiroth's ultimate. When you complete a dungeon, oh. return a creature from your graveyard to the battlefield. So the cool thing of the Obsessive Stitcher, I feel like I'm about to get there. Let me sack her, bring one of my ETB dungeons. Boom, I completed the dungeon. Hey, let's get Obsessive Stitcher back. And she died, so that triggers a dungeon. So literally, right. she can venture twice just on her sack. Um, and be able to come back to the battlefield to do it again next turn. So it actually does some very cool synergies with the deck. Yeah, it's, it's a great pick, especially for no money. Nine cents for a foil. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, that's going to wrap up the grain section. Let's head over to the board state and how this deck's going to interact with our opponents and the hot profile. Um, it, I'm seeing a trend with some of my decks. Tons of grain, a little bit less hops, a little bit less yeast. Hardly any spice. So now we have fewer options than we did before. What is your first card you want to talk about? So th this one I want to talk about because I think this is a card that's kind of having its own reconnaissance. It's starting to get played more, but I feel like it's it, this need, this needs to be in way more decks. Um, Sir Nathan from Kansas City and on the podcast or on the Discord loves this card, and this one's going to pull that the essence of this Planeswalker right out of you. It's going to take it and pull it right out. Because what it's going to do is it's going to de-spark you. We're talking about de -spark. Oh, So a white and a black for an instant for 38 cents. XL target permanent with converted mana cost four or greater. There is a little bit of flavor text, which are old pal. Uh, the other IELE, because I didn't know how to edit, <laughs> edit the list, uh, is going to sing to you like this. <clears throat> Liliana whispered to whatever consciousness. Oketra and Bantu had left. You are the gods. He is the usurper. 
you know what to do. Lance Moore said. Wow. There you go. I'm feeling it today. I don't know. I didn't talk a whole lot today. So uh, my question is this, Mr. Combo. This card, it's starting to get see more play. I know you have another card in here that does a similar thing. How... There's not a lot to talk about this card. How do you feel this card is just like a slot in? Is it is it almost like if you're running Orzov, run it in? Because commanders are expensive. Big artifacts are expensive. The fact that it's a target permanent with CMC4 greater, I feel like those are the big swingers. Do you feel like that's a real drawback? Or do you feel like this is a card that you can kind of play scotch-free almost? So uh, I think this card will really be... Uh what lets us know the direction of commander over the next like five years because mm. it has that mana cost four or greater clause. And literally, I mean, Sheldon just did an article uh, at star city games where it talked about the speed of commander and right. how fast stuff is moving. I think a lot of people are like, Oh, four mana, five mana in my deck. I don't know. I need to keep it zero cost, one cost, two cost. So I think the more streamlined commander gets, the more irrelevant this card becomes. Right. Um, even though everyone's going to have cards on their deck that are CMC four greater that are powerful, you have to play the odds. Do I want one removal in my 99 that can only deal with maybe 10% of the cards in their deck Yeah, or 5% of the cards in their deck? Or is it that's worth, just not good, good odds? Or is it worth running just like your, um, murders, uh, heroic Donflaws that are just like non-conditional. Yeah. This is going to take care of this permanent, right? Yep. You, you got it exactly right. Like, would I rather tragic slip instead for a creature? Like, the only thing that makes this appealing is that it is permanent CMC4 or greater. But on its face, it eliminates, well, you can't exile lands. Yeah. That just isn't going to happen. Almost every ramp's source is less than four. Not going to be doing any of that. Some of the most impactful planeswalkers like Narset are less than oh, four. Oh, that's a good point. Not going to be able to do anything with that. So I just think this card, while I have it in the deck, I'm not removing it because I don't know what removal spell I would put in instead. I do think we're going to see it eventually get outclassed if Commander continues on the trajectory that it is. Sure. 100%. All right. Uh... Man, I, I really like this card. You could either believe in going out, grinding, making the most of your situation, or you could maybe hope that fate has a different outlook. But sometimes it wants to reverse it on you. So fate's reversal is a colorless black sorcery for four cents. And I love this card. I think it actually should get played more. Return up to one target creature card from your graveyard to your hand. Venture into the dungeon. And I do have text. Uh, and we have so many voices on our free classtools.net <laughs> that it is now just... I sent you a new tool to use. <laughs> yeah, it's Dovin, the mumble coach from Waterboy. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I really like this card. Tuck, I can't think of it off the top of my head, so I don't want to just like... Go out on the soapbox of like, this is a staple standard. Sure. How many black creature to hand cards are there that cost two mana or less from your graveyard? Th that's I don't, I can't think of any. Raise Dead is one black that does it. That's an old standby. There's, there's a fair amount that do it to hand. 
there's less that do it from graveyard to battlefield, right? Sure. But, so you're saying that there's plenty of options in the two mana or less that just bring it to hand. I don't know. I would say plenty, yes, but they but it's a huge scale, right? So we talked okay, so this is this is my favorite argument. This is this is my favorite of your arguments that you bring to these sort of cards, right? What if Ray's Dead had kicker one, pay one, venture into the dungeon, right? If it was just what one black and then kicker one, kicker one, right? Like you have for That'd one be awesome for one black, you return a card to your from a creature card from a graveyard to your hand. For an additional one, you get to venture into the dungeon. You would pay the one every single time. Like I think you'd play around that, right? So I feel like there is a deluge of these sort of effects that are efficiently costed, but don't do much, right? It could be like mm-hmm. return one to hand, mill two, or the vice versa, that sort of stuff. Mm. But I feel like this idea of of getting the venture into the dungeon trigger for free, doing what this deck wants to do, putting cards in the graveyard and bringing them back out to hand to otherwise, you have you have things in here that are going to cost less to come down and get sacrificed. We don't have to go into it, but like Wool Drifter is a great example, right? Like I'd rather have that to hand to then have the ability to cast it for five, sure. or cast it for three, and go along the way there. Yeah, and I guess to your point, I just looked it up on Scryfall. Like, there's 45 cards that are CMC two or less and mono black, or could be run with a mono black commander um, that do this. It, it, but they are all over the place. So, like, Aid the Fallen, same CMC. You either do it with a creature or Planeswalker. So the Planeswalker kind of fills in the dungeon requirement. Yes. Yeah. Uh, to your point, Blood Beckoning is just a single black, but kicker three if you want to return <laughs> two to your hand. Um, but I think, but yeah, I think, it, I think that okay. So blood beckoning, that's stay there, right? So for four mana, you yeah. get two creatures back to your hand, and that's it, right? You get no other yep. benefit from that. They don't, no other one, benefit. One of them doesn't come to the battlefield or anything. In my opinion, face reversal is infinitely better because you immediately get another effect from whatever dungeon you go into on top oh, of it, right? That's fair. Even if it is just try one, or you know, everyone loses a life, you gain a life. Like there, you have way more options. It's a modal card compared to the other ones, even the ones that have kicker. And- do you want to hear something hilarious? Yes. They reprinted, fa- re-digitaled Fate's Reversal for Alchemy, so it only costs one black. <sighs> so it's one black for that same effect. That's amazing for yeah, one black. That's insane. I, I have I have uh, poked around with Alchemy a little bit on um, on Arena, but I just don't. I, I can't. Well, ha- how your respect level dropped when I told you about the Galaxy Edge smuggler thing. My, my respect level for you has now dropped because of uh, Alchemy. I really want to get into it, but I just don't have the time. Well, why don't you get into your second pick for the hops? We both now have two things that are that are immovable, if you will. One that is the Galaxy Edge, yeah. and one that potentially is the Alchemy on Arena. Are you ready, sir? Oh, I'm ready. Three, two, one. Immovable rod. One white artifact. 19 cents. <laughs> Rare. Uh, you may choose not to untap a movable rod during your untap step. Whenever a movable rod becomes untapped, venture into the dungeon. Three colorless white tap for as long as a movable rod remains tapped. Another target permanent loses all abilities and can't attack or block. Tuck, the only comment I'll give, because this is your segment to talk about it. This is a card that should live in tons of white decks, even if you don't care about dungeons. The fact that it's an artifact is clutch. The fact, like, uh, I just watched an, a Star City Games episode where they played Oswald Fiddlebender. This card's a slam dunk in there, no questions. There's so much utility in here, right? If, if you're running an artifact, actually, to be fair, uh, this is like a replacement, in my opinion, to some extent, to Darksteel Mutation and a lot of artifact white oh, decks, sure. right? 
not only can sure. you, not only can you do the same thing repeatedly, but you get benefit out of it doing every single time. Um, I know you don't. And the last thing I'll say here in D and D lore, immovable rod is like the most broken thing you can get, right? Because guess what? Oh, really? Well, think about it. You you press a button and it doesn't move. So you put that in front of the door. The door can never be open. It can only be broken through. Oh, you put that. You put that's that. How it works? You put that. You click a button. You put it underneath something. If it's on a platform that's balanced, you can stack infinite amount of things into it. You can stack. You you can put it and like hang a rope off it. It's like the best utility artifact. And this is this is the this is a thing that makes DMs scream and lose their mind in normal. Dungeons and Dragons. It's so amazing. Oh my goodness. It's got so much utility in the game. Yeah, it really does. And here's the thing, guys. I do get it. Four mana is kind of a lot of of mana to be able to do the effect. But I think it's worth the premium because it's repeatable, unlike a sudden spoiling, unlike a Kindred's transformation, unless you have aura recursion that you could bring back. So the fact that it's on the artifact, most likely, and I have played this card, I have seen it played, it does frustrate people, but then what ends up happening is like, hey, I just did it so that way I could untap on my turn and then oh. turn the dungeon. I'm not do I'm literally not doing anything. And they're like, oh, and I was like, hey, you know what? If you leave it alone, I'll do it to them next. And then I'll do it to them and I'll just make it go around the table. And actually, most people are like, oh, that's fine. It's okay. Because you are basically spending four mana in that scenario to just venture into the dungeon. Right. Um but it could be used in so many other ways in other decks. I feel like a lot of these venture in the dungeon things, uh, whether regardless of what they are artifacts or creatures, they just have a lot of blanket utility. And then they just get the venture stapled on. That makes them even better, right? Yep. <gasps> Tuck. Oh my gosh. Guys, if you're running a white artifact deck with unwinding clock. Oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs> you would almost complete a dungeon every rotation. And you wow. could literally eat. Each person's turn, that can't attack this turn. That can't attack this turn. That's insane. Oh, I got goosebumps. Yeah, I was going to say, I need this in my in my Alibu deck. Like, whoa. <laughs> oh, man. Well, the last card I have for Hops, this is a card that could, I guess, actually live in your wall deck. I don't know if you've thought about putting it in there, but it's secret, and it's a door. It's secret door. Uh, this card has actually saved me a lot of life early in really? games. Um, yeah. Single blue, artifact creature wall, zero four. It has defender, four colorless blue, uh, no tap effect. I can just do it as much as I want. Venture into the dungeon, activate only as a sorcery. And I do have some text I got to read off. Uh, that is loading. So why don't you talk about why you like this card first? Okay. So here's why I like it. It's It's like a one mana... Like, yeah, you could swing at me, but it's not going to do anything. Like, I'm going to be blocking. So if you need to get damage through or anything like that, you need to go somewhere else. And then five mana is a lot to venture into the dungeon. I will fully admit it. But when I got nothing else to do, I need mana sinks for this stuff. But again, it is only at sorcery speed, which is a major negative to this venture into the dungeon activation that we've seen on a few cards. But this thing has honestly just been like, well, no point in swinging at Mr. Combo because I have a three or a three, two with first strike and he has a zero four and I need to connect because I got, I don't know, sort of blah, blah, blah. I think this card is fine. It was kind of on the list for me. And I think you kind of just sold it to me where it's like, it does, it does something in the early game, right? Like one mana, 
and then it sits there comparative to other cards that you have to do a lot more rigmaroles or yeah you have to bounce it or exile it right like this deck kind of serves a lot of masters in terms of like graveyard bounce a couple of a few different ways to go uh it's not it's it still all makes sense because it's all going towards the venture theme which is the overarching part um so i think this is fine and again we just talked about propaganda we just talked about ghostly prison like this card is effectively some varietal of that for the first three turns of the game. And I have to ask, what master do you serve? <laughs> what master do I serve? What do you want me to say, Jesus? <laughs> Wait, God, what is what is that, that reference from? That's from Infinity War when Doctor Strange first meets the Guardians of the Galaxy, and they're like fighting on um, oh. uh, Thanos' is, home world. Is, it's and he's like throwing it out to Star Lord. He's like, no. <laughs> Is that the? Is that like, the, do you serve? Is that the same scene that's the Y Gamora, which is the funniest? Yes. The, the the hardest I laughed in that entire movie. <laughs> oh my god, that was stupid. But <laughs> hey, Christian Bale, Batman, Uta Falconrath, let's hear it. Fine, fine, fine. The way open before him. I am the dust of settlers to start in the air. God, I about fell out of my chair. <laughs> Your screen literally froze when I went <laughs> Batman. <laughs> Well, Tuck, round us out. Complete the hot profile for us. Quick one. Um, it's going to be really quick. There's no voices. Precipitous drop, I think, has a lot of utility. Two I really like this card. I, th I, think it's really, I think it's really strong. Two colors and a black for an enchantment aura, enchant creature. When it enters the battlefield, venture into the dungeon. So you're already getting your benefit out of that. And then enchanted creature gets minus two, minus two. It gets minus five, minus five, as long as you've completed a dungeon. So a lot of utility across the board here, right? First off, you pick off. Uh, you you can pick off. You get a free venture and pick off um, a uh, Reese the Redeemed, right? Boom, sure. Done. But I like the idea where it's like, okay, I'm going to slow the bleeding a little bit on your commander or on one of your bigger creatures, knowing that you're pushing towards this end goal of venturing in the dungeon. When that happens, they're going to be neutered neutered or killed at some point, right? So yes, it's got the utility of a removal spell, but also the utility of, hey, like look. I am venturing into the dungeon, right? Like that is the that is the game. I'm going to complete as fast as I can. So, how fast do you want to race me to try to attack me with this big creature of yours before it's either a zero one or it's dead out, right? Yeah, yeah. And here's the thing that I and we'll get to this in the bottle capping because I have a lot of these unique cards that I can use, but I don't have a way to use them again. So mm. we're gonna we're gonna kind of touch on that a little bit. Um, but here's something that we have it. I mean, maybe it doesn't need to be said, but I, I want to say it anyways. I love how it's just as long as you've completed a dungeon, not completed a dungeon this turn. Yes. Not completed yes. a dungeon with some other rigmarole. Um, you do it once, you're good, which that's where it makes these cards a lot more viable in non-dungeon decks. Yes, I, I completely agree, right? Like this this card is not a dead draw whenever you get it, right? You, there's mm -hmm. always going to be utility for it, whether you completed it or Absolutely. All right, now uh, that we're going to head over to the How the Game Wins Yeast Closeout. The wet cards, Tuck, if you I, will. Yeah, I had to do this. Uh, we're talking about the combo, the main combo piece. I don't know if I would assume you are as well. Three, two, one. Ass, Ass crack, crack. The Arklich. <laughs> so uh, two colorless black, legendary creature, zombie, wizard, mythic. It's a 5-5 five, five, and the full art... Foil goes for about eight fifty. When Ass Crack, the Arch Lich, enters the battlefield, uh, shout Ass out Crack Bandit. Shout out to uh, MTG Aids on YouTube. 
Uh, when he enters the battlefield, if you haven't completed Tomb of Annihilation, return Askrak to its owner's hand and venture into the dungeon. Whenever Askrak the Archlist attacks for each opponent, you create a 2-2 black zombie creature token. Let's that player sacrifice the creature. Doesn't matter. Literally doesn't matter. So I'm going to make a couple comments on the card because I'm obviously looking at this from one lens. I'm sure you're looking at it from another. Um, first off, biggest design mistake in the set. It should have been if you haven't completed a dungeon return. Oh, Asarac. as opposed to the specific one. Yes. But the reason because the reason why is because Askrak is the big bad. The temple. So just for if you allow me. Two minutes. Just give me two minutes real quick. I actually have played Tomb of Annihilation, the DMD module, with uh, Not Sir Nathan, APB Denny, and Marketing Ian. And we played this mother effing art module for like six months. What? It, it was a nightmare. Um, it's what drove me kind of to therapy. It's what made me cut, quit drinking as much as I used to. Long story long, Crack is the ultimate bad at the end of it all this stuff leads mm. up to it every every little clue you have every little piece leads up to ass crack being at the end of it so from a f- from like a fun or making sense of it design perspective it does make sense that he is tied specifically to the tomb annihilation from a magic the gathering design it is a colossal misstep a humongous yes. misstep. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so because if it because literally, guys, when they did that Tomb of Annihilation condition, as long as you do one of the other dungeons, you just go potentially infinite with other cards. Yeah. Just literally, Azarak bounces back to hand, you venture, you play, and you venture, you play, and you venture. So that's the lens that I look at him at. How what's the lens that you're looking at him at? This is the best card in the deck. Um, there's no, there's no question to it. Like this is a card that I don't, but should run in way more decks. The fact that if like, (laughs) it's so good that I honestly, like, I know exactly what it does when you cast it. Right. If you, if you hold me down and waterboard me, I, I, without looking at the card right now, I literally couldn't tell you what it did for for the second ability. I don't, I have no idea. Right. It does something. I don't know. He's a zombie. Does it matter? He's a five, five, I guess. Like the fact that they have printed a card that plays into a color that is great with bouncing, that's great with sacrificing when it comes in the battlefield, all this other stuff. A three a three mana venture into the dungeon effectively as much as you want at sorcery speed is so sure. so strong. Like this is this is the backbone of the venture mechanic. Right, like there's yes. there's some things where it's like Queen Marquesa is the backbone of the uh, Monarch Command c- mechanic, right? Like the Celestius is the backbone of the Day and Night. This is the one card that you can run in almost any black deck, whether it cares about creatures or not, and still get insane value just running through the dungeons over and over and over again. I got nothing else to do this turn. I don't want to participate and go with, around with politics of trying to blow up a creature or not. I'm just gonna venture. Okay, well, I got there. I'm going to venture again, right? I'm tapped out. Like, I've grave tight now. What are you going to do? It's so yeah. good. It's just, it's so, so strong. So kind of going back to the design mistake, do you think the other set mistake is that they should have... Now, I know nothing about Dungeons & Dragons, so you will have to fill in for me. But for Dungeon of the Mad Mage and the... Uh, what is it? Uh, Lost, Lost Mine of Thandelver... 
is there a big bad at the end of those campaigns like Acerac to where they could have printed those cards and it could have been a similar thing when XYZ enters the battlefield if you haven't completed Lost Mine of Fandelver, Bounce It Back Adventure? Because here's my thought. If you did one for each, it makes it harder to abuse it because it's like, which dungeon am I going to pick? Because I got to make sure I don't complete it or I can't do anything. I can't do my combo with that card. Because literally this card being in my deck, I just ignore uh, oh, the uh, right. Tomb of Annihilation. Yeah. Like, so, so you have two dungeons. I don't even to. go to it. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great point. Um, the Lost Mine of Fandelver kind of has a big bad in it. That would be like a black elf. Um, okay. Like a mono black elf uh, glass staff. I think is pretty much in a lot of the deck or uh, the the spider, the, the tomb of the man mage I'm, or dungeon of the mad mage. I'm not so sure of, but I still think that those still fall in the same pitfall, right? Where if, if it was a, if it was a similar thing where it's like, Oh, this only matters when you complete that dungeon. And it's this repeat. The, the issue, the issue with Askarak is that it's like, it's just repeatable, right? Like, Mm-hmm. The Tomb of Annihilation may be the best of the dungeons. Who's to say? It is. But the, but the fact that like, well, now you give me a card that never even wants to make me explore it, right? Because it's so easily yeah. abusable. Yeah, because I think the final thing of a Tomb of Annihilation is you make a Cradle of the Death God. Uh, right. The Atropal, the 4-4 Black right. God horror creature token with Death Touch. Yeah. Um, and then there's Albalette on it. So that was just my thought. It was just like, hey, if... You know, if we feel like it's busted, because I think it's busted because I just never choose Tomb of Annihilation ever. I only go to the other two. But if I had to, if they did a blue one and then a white one and I had them in here, then it's like, I don't know which one I'm going to pick. Yeah. Really quickly. I was not a huge fan of of Ventures of the Gotten Realms when it got previewed and everything. I was pretty anti against it. I think that I my my I have cooled very much. I think it's a fun set, but this is the issue, right? You're trying to take something that's fundamentally not the same game into yeah. a game that is much more mechanical as opposed to more mm-hmm. storytelling. So I, I don't know if there's a way to fix it, but regardless, this card is incredible and it, it's like the lynch it can be the linchpin of like almost any deck that you want it to be in. Sure. Well, why don't you give us your second yeast card? I can play I forgot where you're still going through this. Um so Again, if we're looking through, I'm trying to bait this out of you. There's another card that plays very well into this sort of deck, and it is an angel. And I think if this card was legendary, this would be a very, very interesting legendary commander. Um, but it, in and of its own self, it's still a very strong card. We're talking about Radiant Solar here. So ah. five colorless and a white for a 3-6 angel. It's a rare for about 19 cents with flying and lifelink. Whenever it or another non-token creature enters the battlefield under your control, venture into the dungeon. And then uh, for a white and discarding it from your hand, channel, if you will, venture into the dungeon and you gain three life. So I think this card, if, if it was legendary, this card would be awesome, right? You run it in a white weenie. And even then, if you're running a bunch of a deck that focuses on white weenies, you can still go through similar uh, patterns as ass crack just a little bit later in the game. And that's the only downside mm-hmm. to it is it costs six. Like that's a lot to get out there or try to reanimate yeah. it. But I think in this game, this is one of those, this is one of those uh, venture cards that just does piles of stuff for you. Wh- as soon as you cast it. Absolutely. Well, I mean, 
even though you're going infinite, usually with Acerac. Sure. Uh, and the times that you're not, you're getting two Venture Triggers every time you cast right. him for three mana, uh, which is even better. So um, I really like the card. And, it, you know, it's good to have a flyer with Lifelink. That's a 3-6. Uh, the six mana does kind of suck. But it's a yeast card because it basically doubles my ETB Venture mechanics. Yeah. And anytime we can get more and more and more value, we got to take it. Yeah, completely agree. All right. Well, the next one I'm talking about is a pretty damn cool Azorius card, and I wish it was legendary, because this would actually be a very cool commander, but also potentially a busted commander. So we are talking three? No, 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 no. You got this. Oh. No. Oh, all right. Midnight Pathlighter. This card is Banana Hammock. Two colorless, Azorius, white, blue, creature, human, wizard. It's a rare. It's a 2-3. The full art copy I have is 15 cents. Creatures you control can't be blocked except by legendary creatures. And then whenever one or more creatures you control deal combat damage to a player, venture enter the dungeon. I will say this. At least they said the one or more creatures. Because they could have just said whenever yeah. a creature you control deals combat damage to a player, venture enter the dungeon. That would be busted, busted, busted. But the... First text, Tuck. I just get to swing for free, essentially, unless you want to throw your commander in it, most likely. It's it's insanely good. So this is one of the cards I was going to swap in, and then I was like, there's no... It has Venture on it. There's no way Mr. Combo happened to forget this. If this is a legendary creature, this would be like one of the most exciting commanders. This would be the best com the best Venture commander besides the other ones. Um, it, It's insane. Like, and Tuck... It would arguably probably be one of the most interesting Azorius legends that yes. you could build around. That's not stacks or any of that kind of stuff. Completely agree. And this is a card that after looking at, I'm probably going to put my like Azorius token build, right? Because a lot oh, of that's yeah. a lot of that's indestructible or uh, is non uh, can't be blocked. This is a card that I think would be really good in the new Azorius precon, right? With the vehicles swinging mm. them into the right people for 15 yeah. cents, it like. Unless you, the only downside is if you happen to be running against someone like me who runs like Kethis or some other like sure. fringe thing, there's no downside to this, right? It's on curve almost. It's bonkers. For 15 cents, this card is amazing. Well, why don't you give us your last game winning card? So I'm so glad that you put this into the yeast because I think this is card, I think this card in, in itself, this enchantment is practically. Yeah, yeah, I think yep. it's practically a build around, and we're going to be talking yep. about this in the in the end, right? Uh, are you ready? Yep. Three, Three two, two, one. Tortured existence. Oh, that one. No, 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 no. I was thinking. I was thinking. Of I agree. No, that card's oh. really good. I was talking about thorough investigation. Torture existence is incredible. It's one of my favorite. We'll you do not build around this oh, card. You absolutely can. You absolutely you absolutely can. In my opinion, it goes ass crack, this card, and this deck. This card has limitless opportunities. Two colors and a white for an enchantment for 48 cents. When you attack, investigate. Fine, right? You get one clue. One of them. Yep. Whenever you sacrifice a clue, venture into the dungeon. This card, I I feel like if we're going to go into all these things of blinking and left, rights, and centers, we might as well throw a little bit more, a little bit more clue support into here because I think this card is sneaky incredible, right? Sacrificing clues just lets you draw a card for two. We've already talked about a lot of times you're either doing stuff on sorcery speed or you're just waiting until like you maybe you have 
one of the four instants in the car or instant cards in the deck or whatever it boils down to. I literally think that this is like the sneaky, sneaky build around build of this deck for you. It's definitely not uh, <laughs> because it's whenever I attack. So I only get to investigate. That's fine. That's on the fine. Attack. That's fine. And the only reason it's still in the deck, because this is actually one that Cameron, the tree folk Lord, was saying it's trash. Get it out. No need for it. You're a moron. Here's the only. No. Well, the only Cameron reason is, I not left you. it in. Only reason I left it in is because it's the most amazing card when paired with uh, Tamio's journal. That's in my green section. Yes. Five oh. colorless legendary artifact, beginning of upkeep, investigate, sack three clues, search your library for a card, put it into hand, then shuffle. Because essentially, I get this card out, I build up all these clues. People know I don't like clues, because I think it's stupid to pay two mana, sack it to draw a card. <laughs> um, but Tamio's journal, sacks three clues, tutor for any card. Well, that's three ventures into the library. So why not? Okay, we'll talk about this in the cuts. We'll talk about this in the cuts. Okay. I'm very excited. <laughs> It's a good card. I'm not cutting it. Okay. I'm just saying it's not a build around card by any stretch. I, for this I deck. disagree. But that's fine. All right. Well, I already spoiled mine. I'm talking yeah. tortured existence. Uh, this card I didn't know existed until Sir Nathan started doing his Sir Conrad loops. Uh, and it sucks. First off, uh, we talked about this in my Angie Falconrath deck for the exact same reason. Well, because he, he, I had saw it previous from Sir Nathan. Uh, so that's the first time I had ever seen it. So Tortured Existence, a single black enchantment, one black to activate, choose and discard a creature card. Return target creature card from your graveyard to your hand. And we do so... have, we do have a new voice, so it's okay. We're gonna Oof. we're gonna do this here. This is coming in from Lemony Lemons. So we have our friend Krovax, and he is Joe from Family Guy. The terrors lurking in the unseen corners of us all. God, that's good. That's really good. That's a really good Patrick Walburton. Well, thank you. So, guys, the reason this card is literally one of the more busted cards in the deck is, remember, Sephiroth's text. Creature card put into a graveyard from anywhere triggers only once each turn. So, literally, as long as I have four black, I'll do it on my turn. I'll do it on your turn, your turn, and your turn. I just ventured four times in one rotation. Any card, so this card is less than a dollar. I feel like this card has Ristic uh, or Mystic Remora potential of being like, in five years, a $10 card potentially. Because any deck that cares about creatures entering or leaving the battlefield, this is the most efficient Graveyard. way to do it. Graveyard, thank you very much. Yep. Yeah, completely agree. I think this could be one of those cards. I mean, granted, it's already old. I mean, it came out yeah. in 98. Strong. So if it hasn't seen the... Yeah, if it hasn't seen a spike, I doubt it will. What it could see, though, Tuck, to your point, is this is one of those old cards, guys, that a new pre-con gets printed, and all of a sudden it's a $30 card. Yep. Because it's a literal auto-include for it, very much like uh, Kark's Thumb with the coin flip stuff. All right, well, that's going to wrap up the yeast and game-winning cards. Now let's head over to the spice, which we don't have a lot of. So, Tuck, what spice card did you want to illuminate everyone on i have to assume potentially potentially you're doing aotb otba nope if you will i'm glad that you're not but i'm talking about a card that plays into the graveyard mechanics very very strong hmm. and maybe a dargon because we have not redacted that bit yet <laughs> so do i have do i am i ready to, are we ready to go here 
I mean, you have permission to talk. Excellent. Absolutely. Even Death, Drake Lich. Two colorless double black for a 5-2 legendary creature zombie Dargan. It's a mythic rare for about five bucks. Flash, flying, enters the battlefield tapped. But most importantly, you may cast it from your graveyard if a creature not named it died this turn. So I understand we have this in the spice, right? Um, it kind of has to play into all the other stuff that you have dying and that sort of thing. It's a 5-2 flyer. That's big. It's going to die a bunch. You do have some stuff to sacrifice creatures, right? And Or blocking, right? So again, Sephiroth triggering on other people's turn is the only way it's it's like a completely not CEDH card, right? If it was just every time yeah. it happened, it'd be completely busted. So now you have something that you can you can get out for kind of almost free, a little bit, a little bit, a little bit free. Four mana for this sort of ability, you're going to be able to get him out. Say that's free. That's four mana. Saying, but I'm saying, like, again, you pass a turn, a creature of your dies, you bring him back out. He can die the next turn. You're going to trigger Sephiroth. I understand why this is a spice card, but I've seen this card being abused over and over and over again. Hmm. It's an, it's an interesting one, and it makes sense in the spice, but I like this card quite a bit. I, I think it's a really cute inclusion in the deck. Yeah, it's only in the deck for me, period, uh, because it uh, does let me cast from the graveyard. Exactly. Because um, it has flash, um, and I could go instant speed, but the, it's a spice because, A, it comes in tapped, so I can't even sneak block. True. Um and it's two toughness. So it's like, even if I could block, it's going to die to almost everything. <laughs> so that's great. Um, this you, is can, a, you can bring it back. It dies. Like it's, I don't uh, know. That, that's a waste of four mana. Uh, so? There's other better ways to do it. Um, I'm not cutting it because I, I haven't played the deck enough to know. Do I eventually just need a five two flyer that can go hit people? Um, so it, I think it's just going to stay here fringe. Yeah. So I have some sort of flying thingamabob to do, but I guarantee you, this will probably be one of the cards that gets cut with, uh, Baldur's Gate, Commander sure. Legends. Something else better has to be coming out. Yeah. And, and to your point, you don't have a lot of sacrifice creature effects in here to do it on call, right? Like on other people's turns. Mm -hmm. So best case, this is just a uh, tortured existence fodder that you can cast yeah. from the graveyard. There you go. Yeah. Well, uh, the one I'm talking about is just a zombie version of Omniscience. It has to oh, be in sure. the spice. Rooftop Storm, five colorless blue enchantment. You pay, pay zero rather than pay the mana cost of zombie creature spells you cast. Do we have a Stitcher Garolf? I'm looking up right now. I don't think we do, but we do have another voice from Lemony Lemons in my back pocket. Oh, So for this one, Garolf in perpetuity will be as he quoted, an Asian father who's disappointed about seeing a grade card. A gray card? A grade card, like a report card. Oh. Now, now listen, listen here. There's, there's some, there are, you have to navigate some narrow waters here. Oh, yeah, don't worry. <laughs> I'm not doing any of that. So, <sighs> listen here. Let those idiot priests tremble. You have brought shame upon this family. A new era in unlife begins here and now. Look at your mother. She is crying. She is weeping. Ogalar, raise the lightning vein. My son has just ashamed me. That was that was good. That was good. 
Thank you. Thank you. So, uh, guys, this is in the spice purely because I only have like a handful, if that, and that's pretty generous of zombies in the deck. Yeah. Uh, even though uh, Ebendeth is a zombie, so I could roof stop storm that from the graveyard for no, nothing. Um, but it's in here for the ass crack bandit combo. Uh, people get rid of omniscience. That's the easiest one to see. Boom. Now let's bring this out and we can continue on. Um, this was one that I actually debated actually cutting, but I just felt if the whole deck is resolved around that combo, I have to have redundancies in for that being able to play it for free. Cause I'm not, I'm this deck. I'm not putting in a way like a grand monolith power artifact to make infinite mana. So that way I could infinitely pay for it. So the deck has, and that's where I was kind of talking about, like the deck's a little boring to win. Cause the only way to win is the Aseret combo. And that's very much like CEDH when they're like, how do you win? It's like these two cards. What happens if you can't do that? I quit. And it's almost like, I wouldn't yeah. quit if he's got exiled, but it's like, I don't know what I'm doing now. I think it's, I think this is fair. It's very fragile, right? Like this could just get exiled yeah. in your, your SOL. You don't, I don't think you have, you have like one tutor to go get it and it costs six. Like there's no way to cheat it in besides omniscience. But I, you know, I, I don't know if that's a fair assessment because sure, that's the fastest way to win. But I think that Sephiroth is a, as a commander that you're just going to see value turn after turn after turn after turn after turn after turn after turn. And eventually, potentially, that value that you're getting is going to get you there when you don't necessarily need this combo to win out in a run, right? Yeah, but this deck isn't built around the Sephiroth value. Uh, Cameron the Tree Folklord actually played his Sephiroth deck. His was legitimately built oh. around, like, I'm completing dungeons, I'm bringing creatures back. But he was bringing haymakers back, or creatures that are usually inherently terrible, but, you know, if I can get yeah. it from the graveyard, they actually are good. So I would actually have to retune the entire deck if I wanted to create a secondary plan to the Aserac loopy loop. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. All right, guys. Well, that's going to wrap up the spice package. Now we're going to head over to the bottle capping. And as a reminder, it's going to be big text and cuts and adds to the deck that are under $5, under 50 and a no budget recommendation. We just can't talk about mana only lands. Push you. All right. Uh, let's kick this off with me. For the under five, I was, I, so I did try to put some cuteness in here. I don't know if you saw it, but a lot of the dungeon stuff does scrying effects. And I said, well, what if I could find a cute way to turn scries into draws? So I think I'm going to be cutting Elegith Crossroads Augur. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> Four colorless blue, blue legendary creature Sphinx. It's a rare. It's a five, six. It has flying. If you would scry a number of cards, draw that many cards instead, and it does have partner. Um, I'm just cutting it because I think that's getting way too in the weeds. But I once again, I haven't played it enough to know, do I need five, six flyers to do stuff later? So that's why for me, it's it's right there. I'd say it's the 101st card, 102nd card. I'd have to, I'd probably have to keep it a little tally sheet and see how many times I scry yeah. so I would know how many cards I would have drawn. Um, so that's why I would be cutting it. Why would you be cutting it? it it's it's right along the same path, right? Like okay. if there was some way to abuse, I think one of these one of these dungeons has scry on it. Um, but yeah. if you're already going I mean, through the loop, do. if you're going through the loop enough where you're scrying and you're drawing cards, then you're already winning the game, right? Because you ever ask you already have Asterisk out. And I think you brought up a really good point of th this card is so expensive, and even if you do reanimate it it's not a haymaker, right? It's kind of like a nice to have. And for me, it's just like, 
it's if it works, it works. But most of the time, I think you can find something a little bit more efficient or a little something easier to get into. Yeah, I'd agree with that. So I literally was able to do this by one penny because there's a jumpstart copy at $4.99. Uh, I am going to add, and it it's boring, but it's going to do so much work in this deck and possibly give me a lot of mana for Acerac stuff. Got to put in Black Market. Oh, Three colorless sure. black black enchantment. Whenever a creature dies, put a charge counter on Black Market. Synergizes well with Sephiroth. And at the beginning of your pre-combat main phase, add a black for each charge counter on black market. I get it. It's a card we hear about a lot. We see it a lot. It's not sexy, but I think that's just a solid, efficient card. And it's not even a black good stuff card for this deck. I get it. You can put black market in just about any mono black deck or deck that has black and it's going to pay out. But this deck specifically, since I want stuff dying each player's turn of mine, at least. Uh, not even counting their own, of mine. I mean, if I'm getting four black market triggers a rotation, that's pretty good. Just like getting four Venture into the Dungeons sure. a rotation is really good. Yeah, I, I'm not against it. Um, I, I think it's I think it's going to be... I don't think this card is going to... Like, I don't think you're going to put this into the deck and you're going to be like, oh, this sucks, right? Like, there no, may be yeah. times where it's like maybe a little sloppy or maybe it doesn't get you what you want immediately, uh, but overall, I think it's I think it's really strong. And to add something to it, this card has a reputation. This could be removal bait, yes, counter spell, enchantment removal, and then it's like, ha ha! The real thing was ass crack bandit. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Coming in. Well, Tuck, what card were you gonna add for under five bucks? So we, I I was able to switch it around a little bit, um, and I think that I'm still kind of cut Elgith, but. What is the kind of deck that this deck doesn't do great against immediately? Tokens? Right. And what is one of the yeast cards that deals with creatures that your opponents control or perhaps clues? Are you just talking about your thorough investigation? Yeah. Uh, and that's and that's why you're going to put an investigator's journal in here. Like you said, this card is amazing. Two colorless for an artifact. Clue itself. A clue itself. When it enters the battlefield with a it enters the battlefield with a number of suspect counters on an equal to the number the greatest number of creatures an opponent controls. Two colorless tap. Remove a suspect counter from investigator's journal. Draw a card. Two sacrifice it. Draw a card. It's like a clue on a stick. So not only are you going to be making clues every turn that you're going into, now you're going to be benefiting from the ultimate clue and just drawing cards for two every turn. You've always talked about how you hate. Uh, what's it called? Uh, you hate uh, Explorer's Map or whatever, uh, or one of the I can't remember what it is. It's like if you control three or more three or more lands of the same turn, three or more lands of the same type, you can draw a card and tap it. Endless Atlas. I don't. Now you have a clue that's going to do even more work for you, where you're generating all these other clues, and then eventually you play this for two. You attack twice. Tomio's Journal. Go get Ass Crack or Rooftop Storm. The game's over. So here's the issue, though, is that this card is only good mid to late game. It's not good early game because no one's going to have that many creatures out early. And when it's that late in the game, I'm going to have other things to do in my mana than just remove stupid ass counters from this thing and draw cards. You would think I'm disappointed. I'm disappointed. You would would think we're going into clues, baby. We're doing clues. (laughs) This isn't clue tribal. This is dungeon. But it can be. It can be both. (laughs) It can be a boat. It can be anything. (laughs) All right. Under 50. Um, this may shock you. Uh, this is going to be one of my venture cards I'm going to cut. Uh, I just, 
I don't know. I, I went through my deck and I didn't have many creatures with CMC three or less to really make this oh. card pop. But I actually feel like this card could be a great commander, potentially, depending on how you built a deck. So I'm going to be cutting Borrowind of Clan Under. Under. Um, yeah. Two colorless Orzov, white, black, legendary creature, dwarf, cleric, 3-3 three, three, for 10 cents. Whenever Borrowind of Clan Under uh, enters the battlefield, venture into the dungeon. Whenever Borrowind of Clan Under uh, attacks... Return up to one creature card with mana value three or less from your graveyard to the battlefield if you've completed a dungeon. Uh, like I said, I went through and looked at my creature count. I think I maybe had five to ten that he could maybe do. And for me, yes, that's 10% of my deck on the high end. But it's kind of like whenever we talk about Sun Titan, you need to have like 30 or 35 targets for this guy because you want to make sure you're always hitting. And I kind of feel like this card with this build, I may be missing more than hitting. If you didn't have Sun Titan in here already, then I'd be like, okay, this is fine. But I think I think for the mana cost for two more, immediately, immediately him coming in and you getting something back. And then also every time it attacks is a six, six vigilance It's going to do way more. Uh, I think Barrowin is like, you, you could kind of like build around him as a commander, but I don't, oh, yeah. think, I don't think he's that exciting. So I, I'm here for it. So once again, I got another boring ad because I, what I kind of found guys is when I built this deck, I went so on the uh, flavor scale that I really just, some of the stuff that the deck needs um, just wasn't there. So I'm going to throw in a ley line of anticipation. Uh, I can get one sure. for about 750. Uh, two colorless blue, blue enchantment rare. If it's in my opening hand, it can start on the battlefield. I may cast spells as though they had flash. This is just going to open up more. So that way, maybe, <laughs> maybe I can flash in a creature that could die on other people's turns because of a board wipe or something, get Sephiroth's triggers. Uh, just It's just spells. So now I can flash in my board wipes. It just opens up the deck a lot more. And it's going to pivot. It's going to be the one card to take it from that Brutoclad style, sorcery speed, everything's yeah. permanence, to something that is a little bit more interactive with the table. 100%. Um, I mean... When you have so many creatures that like, and, and even if you look at what I talked about, uh, uh, what was it called? Uh, precipitous drop, being able to play that at instant speed just makes it a million times more. Like it makes it like plus plus. So yeah, I'm, I'm here for it. You're going to be playing other people's turns. You need ways to play on yeah. it. It kind of opens it up for you. So yeah, I think ley line's a decent add. Yeah, the, the one thing I, I would ask, though, uh, just give me a 30-second a response. I know usually you're a big proponent of Leyline over uh, Vidalek and Zori because you could play it for free, but now we're in three colors. It is blue-blue. Do you think it's now getting to the point where it's like the the 1% potential or 7% potential you have it in your opening hand? Maybe that's not worth it and do the one that's just four colorless because you can guarantee to get it out no matter what. Or do you still think in three colors, Leyline's a better pick than Vildleck and Ori? If you're playing, if you're playing blue, just run Leyline. Like, I, like I honestly think that every even even if it's four or five colors doesn't matter, right? Like, it, it, and not only hmm. this. Like, granted, it's an artifact, so artifacts are arguably harder to destroy than enchantments, right? Or sorry, artifacts no. are easier to destroy than easier to destroy than enchantments. Yeah, right. Um, and also like. I hate Vildalk and Ori, even though I own a foil copy from Fifth Dawn that I'm pretty sure I stole from the CTO of a previous company that I worked at. Uh, just 
if you're running blue, you can run lay line and there's really no downside to it, in my opinion, right? Like, unless you're like, un- unless you're playing a deck where like blue is your like, what do you call it? It's like your fringe color and your pie is like that small. Sure. But leave it, leave Volduck and Ori for Rakdos. Leave it for, um, not even Salentia. Yeah. I was going to say, I was trying to think of the other two color decks that I run. It's just Rakdos and Demir that I care about. So <laughs> half the decks put it in the ones you don't. Well, what card are you going to cut and what are you going to add for under 50 bucks? So I, I, I'm not a huge fan of 50 feet of rope. I think, Aww. I know it's I cute. Like it's, a, it's a cute one. It's a cute one. Uh, also one of the staples in D and D. So for one colorless, you get an artifact that has three abilities. I'm not going to read the front ability because they don't matter. This is just kind of like trading post. So tap target wall. Can't block this turn. Fine. Three colors tap target creature. Doesn't untap during his controllers. Next untap step kind of fine. And then four colorless tap venture into the dungeon activate only as a sorcery. Like I, I just don't feel like this does a ton, right? Like the, the untap does, but like if you're running this as a venture deck, you want to always be able to do, if you're running a card, you always want to be venturing the sorcery, right? So you're paying, you're, you're skipping casting a creature just to do repel, repel down. And there's other, there's other cards that do this better in my opinion in the deck. But here's the issue is that if you cut this from the deck for that reason, then we should cut a bunch of the cards that are for, a bunch of the ones we've talked about that are pay four, pay five, pay six, venture into the dungeon. So originally, originally this one was the cut of, my original cut was the wall, right? Uh, whatever it was. Oh, okay. Where'd it go? Secret uh, door. Yes, exactly, right? So, but I like the fact that that still does something in and of itself, right? It's still a creature that can block, and then you can also do, you can also dump mana into it. Okay. 50 feet okay. of rope the best the best outside of it is you pay three and tap and lock something down which a movable rod just does better for one more mana and gets you similar value right so mm-hmm. it wasn't exciting to me but i think you bring up a great point where you already have the panharmonicon in here right that's a lot of triggered abilities so if you're just going to do a lot of venture pass why not get something out of it and for that for just over five dollars you can do stronic resonator the old school. Oh, thing. okay. Two colorless for an artifact. Two tap copy target triggered ability you control. You may choose new targets for the copy. And a triggered ability is uses words when, whenever, or at, right? So this plays into your commander. For two mana, you get to venture again for free. Creature is a battlefield. If you don't have your commander, you can pay two, venture, go again. Um, again, it kind of, it's it was this versus uh, Illusionist Bracers, which is like the triggered ability. They're kind mm-hmm. of 50-50, but I feel like in this deck, most of the things are when they enter the battlefield, when a creature dies, when this, that, or the other thing happens. Now for two mana, a four mana investment in total, you can double that ability once a turn or mm. once okay. whenever it comes in. See, I'm here for that. That, you like that? that applies to a lot of the deck. Uh, it could be used for more than just this very niche, small area. <laughs> um, and it's not a fucking clue. <laughs> Get a clue. All right. I will not. No budget. Let's start breaking some bank. Just kidding. Um, I'm actually going to cut Dungeon's Descent. Okay. To land. And I did get the comic book version of it for 19 cents. Uh, it enters battlefield tapped. It taps for a colorless. Four tap. Tap an untapped legendary creature you control. Venture into the dungeon. Only do as a sorcery. That's way too sweaty. For I- I'm losing a blocker. I could yeah. have to do it on my turn. 
and I wasted four mana. Actually, five mana, because I had to lose the land. So, too many negatives uh, for me. I feel like this is a card I really want to like. This is something yep. where I'm like, I want to slam this into every deck I ever want. <laughs> but it's, I mean, honestly, it's too that much card. Work. That card for me, Tuck, I'm glad you brought that up because there's the one that a lot of people are hot and heavy on the treasure vault. I even feel the same thing about that, <sighs> where it's like, that's a lot of work. Like, I get it that it's like, if you have nothing to do, you could dump 10 mana, get five treasures, it's your turn. But I mean, there's better mana sinks out there and you don't lose a land for it. So um, yeah, it, yeah, anyways, that's kind of how I feel about some of these specialty lands that came out in the set. But... All's not lost in the land counts. Uh, you might have noticed a trend of the cards I've been adding. It's a lot of enchantments. And I already have we 11, so that would get me to 13. May I guess? I think, yeah. Hall of Helia, General, uh, Hall of Helia. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Generosity, absolutely. Legendary Land, it's a rare, and I actually have a copy sitting in a binder, so I can absolutely no way. just really? swap. Yeah, because I just, I, I, well, I got two, co- or I pulled two copies. Um. Remember, this is my favorite set, Modern Horizon. That's true. And uh, I only had only had the need for one in my enchantment deck. So then the other one just kind of sat there. I actually think it might be in the cube. So I'll probably mm-hmm. have to buy another copy because I'm not going to dig through all those packs. Um, but it's a legendary land. It taps and adds a colorless, which is great. Just like the other card. Um, but it does a whole lot of stuff better. A, it doesn't come in tapped like Dungeon's Descent. And B, I could pay a colorless white, tap it, put target enchantment card for my graveyard on the top of the library. So now, as you remove Rooftop Storm, Omniscience, any of these key enchantments I need in the deck, um, or even tuck your uh, I was going to say, card. let's not forget Thorough Investigation, the best card in the deck. <laughs> no, no, not absolutely not. We're skipping right over that. Uh, we're talking about Precipitous Drop. Like, hey, the creature died. Now I want to put it on another creature. Put it on another creature. I can kind of use this to to kind of manipulate those enchantments. So um, I wouldn't, for me, I think this card probably sings truer when you're at 15 or more enchantments in the deck. But I think I'm right there. And doing this swap, I'm not losing colors. Yeah. They both tap for colorless. So literally the only difference is I'm for going to be able to pay four to venture. I don't I don't think there's a downside to this, honestly. I think uh, Hall of Helios Generosity is so strong. You're you're if you if you only had a deck that had five venture cards, right? And you're like, oh I'm trying to build this venture to the dungeon mechanic, I'd be like, well now you're losing your sixth. But the fact sure. that you have twenty five or however many it is, <laughs> I think this I think this is a pretty up and down uh up and down replacement. Yeah. Hall of Hall yeah, and Hall is very good. The, I can get the time shifted foil copy for nine dollars. So that's really not yeah. a big major mana or money investment. So and, um, and even yeah. I think for those playing the home game, like even if you're like oh, nine dollars a lot to put it into one deck, if it doesn't work that deck, guess what? You're gonna have a deck that you build at some point. This is gonna be like the linchpin of so sure e- easy easy sell. Well, Tuck, round out the episode. Give us your no-budget ad, and what card is going to have to hit the chopping block for it? So, I feel like the Placer Beast is on the too low tier of venture sure. mechanics, right? So, two colors and a, and a blue for a creature beast. When it enters the battlefield, venture into the dungeon. It's a 3-2. And then, Displacement, three colors and a blue. Return, return it back to its owner's hand. So, for... And Mr. Combo, 
you always point this out so good. So if I'm going to venture once into the dungeon, you have to pay three, then it's going to die. Or you can pay, what, seven to venture into the dungeon once and bounce it back to your hand. Yeah. It just seems like, it seems there's there's a lot of cards in here that are sweatier than this, but when you look at raw efficiency, raw mana cost, it just doesn't make any sense to me, right? Like to your point, seven or five mana for um, the wall is better than this because it's also got a bigger butt, better blocker, yeah. and you can do it over and over again and don't have to jump through any hoops. But here's the interesting thing, Tuck. You're cutting a spice card? I thought you don't do that. I try I not you don't to. Try to. I, I try to. I try really not to. I could, I almost cut Alter the Brood because it's entirely too cute. You son of a bitch. What? <laughs> we have a card in here that plays very, very well into Alter the Blue, Brood, rather, than the Blood. So, Blood. Um, if this car, if this deck is rolling, you are still putting cards into the graveyard, right? Cards are leaving. Cards are coming back. All that sort of stuff. Tortured Existence is a great example and that sort of stuff. So I was looking into ways that you can do that efficiently. And this is a card that was a slam dunk uh, recommendation, I think, from, from Marketing Ross and my Sekouar deck. I think you have enough creatures in here for this to work, but I feel like Whisper Blood Liturgist is a really interesting pick in here. So for okay. three colorless and a black, you have a legendary creature, human cleric, there's a 2-2. Two -two. You, can, you can tap him sack two creatures return target creature card from your graveyard to the battle so i was i was gonna do hull's caretaker mm -hmm. but the thing i don't like about hull's caretaker is it's only during your upkeep right so you you burn ah. your Sephiroth trigger during your turn whereas now okay. you can have creatures out here of any varietal tokens or otherwise block sacrifice them get your one Sephiroth trigger go to the graveyard and bring back your um and, th and this kind of goes back to the issue of like what do you bring back right well sun titan's not bad shriek maw's great um oppressive stitcher is good to get back from the graveyard these sort of things we've talked about nadar if it dies crack ass crack yes absolutely if someone if someone stifles ass crack and then board wipes who knows right so it, i don't know if there's enough creatures in the deck where you're going to consistently have two to sacrifice but I like the idea of that you can sacrifice and gain value on opponent's turn, which this deck doesn't have a ton of. Well, I do have 26 creatures in the deck. Nice. So it's it's not insignificant, but it's not like a 40 creature deck thing. Um, I'm not really, I don't think any of them make creature tokens. Um, I guess there is some stuff that makes, you know, some pelicans, <laughs> Quote, yeah, unquote, some ass crack makes creature tokens. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, you know, I think this is worth looking into yeah I, I think it's worth looking into um i i'm all about repeatable value over the one-time burst and that's why um, and and i think there might be a better card suited for this but the fact that you can sacrifice an opponent's turn and get that Sephiroth trigger that's why i think whisper repeatably is better than your friction reclamations or whatever else is reanimating from the graveyard and it doesn't say sacrifice two other creatures. So you can't sacrifice it and yes. one. So you really just need this and one creature. And like we talked about earlier with, hey, if Sephiris is out, that's two venture triggers. I return something from the battlefield with this. Oh, I just completed a dungeon. Whisper, come right back out. And you can kind of do a little, not necessarily loop, but you can kind of do something fun with it. Exactly. Well, guys, that's the end of the episode. Um, and if you enjoyed it, please leave a uh, you know five-star review. Uh, definitely hit that subscribe button below, um, whether it be on YouTube, podcast, uh, Apple, 
whatever. Um, and if you'd like to get a hold of us and see our social media platforms, here's how you could do that. You can get to me at Mr. Crombie number five on Twitter. I'll spell that except for the five. Big Tuck, if people want to see who you wished a happy birthday to from whether it be a big celebrity or small time retiree, how would they do that? You can find me on the Twitterverse at Big Tuck tweeting. And uh, I didn't get a chance to wish him one, but uh, our old pal Mark Boone Jr., Mr. Combo is looking blank. He's the guy that gets hung upside down in Batman Begins. What, you don't like falafel? Oh. It was his birthday God. the other day. I am guarantee I guarantee he doesn't have uh, uh, a Twitter, but he's a very good actor. Uh, he's 5'7 and is very old, so hopefully still alive. You can reach our main account at CMD Tower on Twitter as well. Uh, we will have the deck list posted with the article and all the accompanying media at cmdtower.com slash bnbe130. Basically, just type in cloister gargoyle monologue tax dungeon map tower.com. Now, we would love some support on our Patreon, patreon.com slash cmdtower. We talked about it at the top of the cast. We have a lot of different things that you guys can uh, definitely take part of. Um, Literally from a dollar, four different tiers up from there. We would appreciate anything that you can do. And if you join, be sure to put in your Discord. Like, that's part of the benefits. Yep. And get in there and talk, chat, talk up with the community. Um, we want to get big enough so that way we can have one of the members become a mod and actually start driving conversations and start driving some dialogue in there. Um so yeah, you should definitely do that. And of course, if you're already a member of the collective with our Patreon, you can refer people. And if they decide to join, we'll send you some free swag as a thank you as well. You just got to make sure to let us know because Patreon doesn't do like a referral type thing, uh, which is kind of weird. You would think it like even like LinkedIn, it's like, who, uh, where right, did you yeah. figure out about this thing? Um, so yeah, you got to at least message us, but we'll send you something free just for growing our community. Now we do have a store. So if you guys are not really into the monthly thing, or I have zero interest in engaging on a daily, weekly basis, but I do want to show off on my LGS some swag, uh, head over to cmdtower.com slash merch. Uh, we do sell everything on there. The most popular items right now are the foil bruise and builds uh, astrology playmat. And so our Jund uh, sweater. So definitely go do it. We got a sale going on with the sweater. If you buy one, you get a free pack of car uh, sleeves. Which, by the way, I thought we did a great price on our sleeves. I think we charged $5, $6 for a pack of 100 I saw some other content creators. No shade on anyone. But $20 for a pack of sleeves. Wait, what? $30 for their pack of sleeves. And I know that they're getting them all from the same factories that we are. So, guys, if you're wanting branded content creator sleeves go buy them up on our site because we're literally you could buy four packs of sleeves for one pack that some other uh people are selling so it's a great value and i gotta do redacted bit now uh we'd be remiss if we didn't bring up our new partnership with abyssproxyshop.com be sure when you use checkout use code cmd tower uh that does get you 10 percent off your order and it's uh, stackable with all the other discounts he has on his site. I think if you spend like 50 or more, you get 10% off. Spend 100 or more, he gives you a free set of Aber Duels uh, for playtests. Um, and the most important thing, guys, type in custom card in the search bar. That listing has a link. You can request community proxies playtests that other people have actually asked him to commission and do and get those for yourself. Um, and with all the discounts, you can literally get it for like $4 a card. Insanely cheap. And you can get some very cool things like my Game of Thrones or even Najila Mystical Archive card decks. So Big Tuck, episode 130, Sephiroth. Welcome!
to the dungeon. Go to day by day. Uh, how do you feel? Do you feel like it was just too much venturing, or <laughs> did we have an opportunity to maybe get off the path a little bit? Look, as soon as you turn this into a clue sub theme, this deck is gonna go to the. It's gonna go to you. this. It's gonna go to the CDH. It's gonna go to CDH pool. I hate you. I I do like this deck a lot, actually. Um, I, I this is a deck I thought about building. Um, and just never got really around to it. And I think you did a really good job, right? Like we didn't even get into the things of like bouncing. And mm-hmm. if you look into a lot of the creatures and a lot of the decks that just have venture, it's going to be, they're going to be creatures. You're going to bounce them. You're going to go through them. I think that this deck is always going to be hamstring by the fact that the, to be honest, a few of the dungeons that you go through are just like, not like terribly exciting. It's, it's like incidental value, right? Yeah. Like it's just going to be yeah. like, you're going to get a little bit here, a little bit there. But eventually once you start getting through your loops, you're going to go there. Uh, I, I like the I like the cuts of getting more mana. I like the cuts of being able to play on other people's turns because I think that's what's really going to hamstring this. But overall, like I, I think this is I think you did the best that you possibly could with this mechanic that's very limited. Yeah, no, I agree, and I will say because I've mentioned it a few times because like I've, I've we played our our patron Cameron's deck before. The cool thing about dungeons is that there's lots of different ways you can build it, which I didn't think there was. So like when I played his, it really wasn't like all into venture. It was like a little bit of venture, but a lot of it was like I'm it's kind of traditional aristocrats. I'm sacking sure, stuff, yeah. I'm getting the triggers to go venture. So it's very Sephiroth revolved. Um, where mine, I feel like Sephiroth is amazing, but I could probably do the deck without Sephiroth. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's a really good point. Like, it, yeah. it, if she eventually gets blown up and costs nine, it's like, ah, oh, I'm fine. I, I could, I could do enough venturing I, through all my other. I have routes. rooftop storm and ass crack that I can run through, right? Yeah, yeah. So uh, there are a lot of unique ways, but I did kind of give myself that hamstring because that's where I'm at in my magic career. Is I'm not just trying to build a great Boros deck or Esper deck. Uh, I'm trying to go for these sweaty, weird mechanics, and how can I make that fun and good? So I think a lot of the stuff that you have given me is going to, except for that investigator's journal, stupid. Incorrect. The best card in the deck. Uh, <laughs> but the other five cards we talked about in the cut, uh, the capping, I think could actually really push this deck forward. And I will say like, especially comparative, like you're, you're, I can see those uh, grinds in your head when you're talking about like building sweatier decks with the last recommendations that you have for some of the theory crafts and things we've done. So I'm really hoping that next week for, Rakdos month for Big Tuck. You'll have some good ones for me as well. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, I've actually already started working on that list. And let's just say Tuck has missed some important cards. Boom. We're out of here. See ya. Bye. Big arms. Big arm move. Wait, I was going to say. I was gonna say-